right, this may show your age a little bit, but you can still participate. No worries, no worries. How many of you remember the days before GPS? Anybody remember the days before we had GPS? Not only GPS on our phone, back in the day we used to have these little things that you had put up on your, your window and they was always falling off. How many of you remember the days before any of those kind of GPS? Well, I remember as my family would always take road vacations and I remember my dad, he would have this big, what they call a road atlas. This was back in the day where you'd have to unfold this big old uh, map and you'd have to map out your directions before you ever left the house. And you had to write down good directions because if you didn't follow the directions good, you'd find yourself taking a wrong turn. If you weren't careful, you'd find yourself in a destination you never intended to be. If you weren't careful, you could find yourself in trouble. And the next thing you know, you find yourself in traffic or some kind of situation. We all love the fact that we now have GPS, but some of us remember the day when we didn't. And now that we have GPS, isn't it nice to have somebody who can guide you? Somebody who can tell you when you're taking a wrong turn. Somebody who leads you in the right direction. Well, today we're in a series entitled Valleys. And in this series today, I want to challenge you that we need a good shepherd. A good shepherd who will lead us. A good shepherd who will guide us. And someone who will be our guide. We need a good shepherd. And here's the good news before, before we even begin. God promises that he will be our good shepherd. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to perhaps the most well-known chapter in all of the Bible. If we were talking about the most well-known verse, we would probably say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. But when we come to the best-known chapter in all the Bible, I would argue that perhaps it is Psalms 23. It's a verse, a chapter that many of us, even if we did not grow up in church, we are very familiar with this passage, and many can still quote this passage, even if you don't have a church background. And it simply says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then check this out. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many have ever heard that passage? It is a powerful passage. It's a passage that starts with a powerful declaration. Right out from the get-go, it starts with a five-word declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. That is so powerful to think about. You break down every word, the Lord that the God of the universe would care so much, that the omniscient, all-powerful one, the Lord, is my. Little word, only two letters. But that's a big impact, that he is my shepherd. Can I give you a confession of the pastor real quick? I'm glad that he's your shepherd, but I'm even more glad that he is my shepherd. I am glad that he is so personal that he can be in a room like this and he can still be 
my shepherd. And then it says the Lord, he is my, and then it says shepherd. It's a declaration that should be very comforting, that he will be my shepherd, that he will be my guide, that he is my GPS, my God positioning system. The Bible says it like this in Isaiah 40 and 11. He tends to his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. See, I don't know what valley you are going through. I don't know what you are going through in your life, but the Bible says he is like a shepherd and that he is so personal that he carries us in his arms and he carries us through the valleys close to his heart. So what does it mean when we read this passage that the Lord is my shepherd? Let's face it. In our society today, we know the definition of what a shepherd is, right? But we don't see very many shepherds. I don't care if you came from the north, the south, the east, the west, or you drove in from League City, perhaps you drove in from Houston, you probably did not pass a shepherd watching over sheep as you were driving. Anybody pass a shepherd? Maybe some of you from Santa Fe, you may have passed a shepherd. Santa Fe represent, represent. But we don't always see shepherds. But in this culture, in this time, when this passage in Psalms 23 was written, they understood the concept very clearly of what a shepherd was and what a shepherd did. All throughout the Bible, we see the importance of shepherd. All the way back to the book of Genesis, Moses, he said that God was going to be a shepherd to his people. They understood what it would be to be a shepherd and the analogy and the imagery that was associated with being a shepherd. As a matter of fact, the writer of this particular psalm, Psalms 23 that we're reading, is a guy named King David. He knew a little bit about being a shepherd. After all, he was one. You remember when Samuel came to the house of Jesse looking for the next king to anoint, and he brought all the sons of Jesse in front of him. Where did they find David? Out tending sheep on the backside of a wilderness. So here is somebody who would have understood the depth of what it means when we say the words, the Lord is our shepherd. What are some of the attributes and characteristics about being a good shepherd? When you start to understand that through their context, it'll take on a whole new meaning today, this passage that we're so familiar with. And here's the challenge for us today. Here's the question that we need to wrestle with. Is the Lord your shepherd? Do you know him as your good shepherd? John 10 and 14 says it like this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So I don't know what valley you're going through as we're in this series valley. Maybe it's a valley on your job. Maybe it's a valley in your finances. Maybe it's a valley in your family. Maybe it's a situation that you're in a season of transition. And you wonder, man, I am going through this valley. God, do you even care? Maybe you even feel that the valley is so dramatic. that, Like the psalmist David said, man, it feels like the valley of the shadow of death. This is hard stuff that I'm going through. By the way, here's free of charge. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's not the valley of death. Sister the shadow of death. And even though my situation may seem so drastic, I want you to know that even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is your shepherd. 
So I want us to look today in your notes some of the characteristics of what a shepherd does. First thing I want you to see, in the valley a shepherd provides. See, like a real-life shepherd, a shepherd would lead and guide them to food and provide. A shepherd would lead them by the still waters and provide. A shepherd, when there was a storm coming, he would find some rocks or some kind of covering as best he could, and he would cover, he would provide. In real life, shepherds would provide. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, and then he says this phrase, I shall not want. Can I be honest with you? I've shared this with you before, but when I was a kid, that really confused me a lot. I heard them say this passage, and they said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm like, why would you not want the Lord to be your shepherd? I grew up in Jones Creek, Texas, blaming on Brazosport Independent School District. It's, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why not? Of course we, it's kind of like the kid, he was going home from Sunday school, and the parents asked him, and said, what did you learn about today? Little kid says, I learned about Howard. And the parents were like, what do you mean? What well, you learned about Howard? Say, you know, our father in, in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> and then quite get the real gist of it. As a kid, I was like, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall, of course I want him to be my shepherd. Maybe a clearer understanding of what this passage means is when you start to look at the New Living Translation that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Or the NIV that says, hey, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. What he's saying here is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is he is a provider. It's a declaration, it's also a decision. A declaration that all my needs will be supplied through him, but it's also a decision to steward that well, to, to say that God, if you want it for me, I am going to decide that it's your desires are what my desires are. I decide to find contentment in the Lord as my shepherd. I don't know if somebody's in a valley of lack, but the Bible tells us that he is something called the Jehovah Jireh. One of my favorite songs of all times talks about the characteristics and the names of God. and It says he is our Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Listen to what Matthew 6 and 31, because some folks, they, they look for provision in all other ways. And the Bible says in Matthew 6 and 31, Therefore do not be anxious about anything, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father, the good shepherd, he knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and right standing with him, and kingdom alignment, and all these things will be added to you as well. See, I want you to understand, it's not your job that's your provider. It's not your 401k that's your provider. It's not the stock market that's your provider. And I'm not just talking in your financial, don't get me wrong. In every area of our life, he provides peace. He provides rest. He provides provision. He provides. That was the job of a shepherd. He is our provision. Now, don't misunderstand me. Well, he's my provision. I don't have to do nothing. No, we do our part. We steward well our times, our talent, our abilities. But then we trust him as our Jehovah Jireh, 
I remember an example of this when I was a college kid. How many remember when you were in college and you were broker than a joke? You remember I'm talking about? I could tell you every menu in college that I could eat for $1.72. If you drank water, you could eat for $1.72 back in the day. Maybe that dates me a little bit. But I remember being broke, and uh, yet God had called me as a Bible college student to go to the country of Sudan. I knew that I was supposed to spend six or seven weeks there. I knew I was supposed to do a missions trip there. I knew God had called me, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. I remember it was a day or two before the deadline of the money for the trip to come. I don't remember what their trip cost. It was probably $4,000, something like that. I had only had a portion. I still owed $2,500. As a broke college kid, it might as well have been $2.5 million. There was no way. It was an impossibility. Then all of a sudden, God began to show me that he is my provision. And if he calls me to it, he will be the one who provides through it. And so I was able to get on the phone. Somebody was able to have actually in a church in Pasadena. I was up in Dallas in the area. And a church in Pasadena came and they invited me in to share just my testimony of what God was calling me to do. I remember after that service being so humbled. As the pastor came and said, no, how much did you owe? I said, well, it's a lot. It's 25. To me, it was a lot. $2,500. Well, we as a board feel that God told us to pay every bit of that. And here's some spending money while you're there. Boy, that began to speak faith into my life. That God, you are a God who provides. That God, you are in control. That God, you're a good, good father. And it's not just a song. You are, in fact, a good father. Now, understand, I am not talking about some get-rich type thing. I'm, you know me if you've been here any time. That is not my heart. But I'm not talking about greed, but he supplies the need. I am talking about that he is our provider. And it's not just in the financial, but the Bible says, Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that God will give you the desires of your heart. I don't think we always understand that passage. Well, God, I desire a brand new Porsche. Hey! God, I, de- I desire... No, don't misunderstand me. I think that God's children can be blessed. But I think that a better translation is, God, when you allow your desire to invade my desires, you change my desires, I start to desire that which you desire, and you are pleased to then provide because it's your desires that have been given to me. He will give you the desires of your heart. What if we're asking him, God, give me what you desire? He'll provide. So a shepherd provides. He leads. He directs. Another thing about a shepherd is in a valley, a shepherd not only provides, he directs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul and he what? He leads me beside still waters. He leads me. Another way of saying that is he guides he directs me when the valley is there we as sheep don't need to know where the game pastures are we just need to follow the shepherd he will lead us if we will follow he directs john 10 and 27 says it like this my sheep hear my voice i know them and they do what they follow 
me. At LifePoint, our mission statement is simple. We're not here for anything else but to develop lifelong followers of Jesus that I know you as my shepherd and I am going to follow you to the next step of obedience. I am to follow. Somebody or you are in a valley of decision. If you would just let him, the shepherd would direct you. In the valley of decision, it could be a place of direction. The shepherd will guide you. I remember throughout my life many times where I needed the shepherd to guide me. We call them forks in the road. God, where do I go? Which way do I turn? I've got decisions that are facing me. I remember when God called me to go to Bible college, and I didn't know how it was going to happen. None of my family before had even been to college. And God, how is it going to make a way? And God said, you just follow and I'll lead. And he directed me. I remember getting to Bible college and meeting Leah, and I remember her pursuing me and asking me to marry her. And, uh, I mean, the pursuit was hard. It was like every time I'm like, can a guy get a break? You know that's not the way it happened. I remember, hey, it's the right one. God, you're my shepherd. I'm, lead, I'm filling you guide. I remember him leading us to our first ministry position. God, we don't know how it is, but we feel like that's where you... I remember him telling us to start High Point Fellowship in a place where we knew no one. God, I don't understand that, but you're my shepherd and you're going to be there with me. If you guide me, I'll follow. I remember that every single day, I can tell you I need to trust him even as leading the church now. God, how do you want to lead so that I can follow? I need a guide because otherwise we'll mess it up. In every area of our life, every day we need him to be our guide. I am thankful that he directs. And if we follow, he does a pretty good job of it. Listen again to verse 2. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It goes on to say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I love that imagery. It's an imagery that we can have contentment even in the midst of chaos. Lie down in green pastures. I get the picture of these sheep. They've ate all the green uh, grass that they want, that they're just full and content and happy. And in the midst of a valley, they just lie down in green pastures. Why? Because he directed them there. Rest in the middle of a restless valley. Somebody in this place, you're going through something that should have broke you. It should have made you tech, tell, and run. But people look at your life and they say, there's something about their life. They're still at peace in the midst of chaos. How in the world? Because the Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose mind has stayed on him, who are following the good shepherd. The Bible tells us that when he leads us, when he guides us, we can have peace that surpasses understanding. When it doesn't make sense, we can still have peace in the middle of a valley. Why? Because we know he is directing us still. We could be in a valley, but we could still walk in victory. So, I want you to see in the valley, what does the shepherd do? A real life shepherd will provide, direct. Another thing is he likes to correct. Ooh, we don't like that one. God, I'll take, it's like uh, Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. God, I'll take a couple of scoops of direction. But uh, yeah, leave the correction. I don't need that. But he'll also correct. The Bible says he leads me in paths of righteousness. He wants me to be in right standing with him. Why? 
It says, for his namesake, for his glory. He wants to walk in us because when we walk in direction and correction, all of a sudden we walk in his favor, and when we walk in his favor, we bring him glory. We're usually okay with direction. Like the green pastures and the still water. Not so much about the correction, though. But did you know that his direction and his correction are motivated by love? The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 6, For the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. I don't have one up here, but I believe they have a picture. But when we think of a shepherd, we often think of the shepherd's staff, right? And usually the shepherd's staff has a little crook on it. It's actually called a shepherd's crook. It's a beautiful picture so that we can see the image of what a shepherd does. Because the shepherd will use it as it's going through a valley or on a mountain to guide, right? The shepherd will use it, and, 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 but he will also use it not only for direction, but for correction. You know the purpose of that little hook at the top? The purpose of that little hook at the top is when there is a sheep that is getting out of on the edges. They'll take that little hook and they'll wrap it around that little sheep's neck and gently bring it back into the fold. As long as the sheep will walk in correction and walk in direction, it's a gentle. But then if a sheep decides to kind of do their own thing, it's a little less gentle, I would say. I don't know about you, but there's been a time or two God had to get me by the neck and put me back on track. God loves. He chastises. In other words, he disciplines those he loves. He wants you to walk in his favor. And he doesn't tell us the Ten Commandments. He doesn't tell us to walk in his ways just to spoil our fun. He knows that if we live any way we choose, it will bring destruction to us. And he loves enough to say, no, that's not how my children act. I want you to be brought back into where you're supposed to be. It's out of love that motivates him to correct us and call us to be all he's called us to be. I'll explain it to you like this. I, show, I shared this with the first service. I don't know why. I've got three kids, two boys, and the youngest is a girl. This was a lot easier for me to do with the boys than it was the girls, and that is correction. I don't know what it is about that little girl and her big eyes. It's a little harder to, to correct her. But every single one of my kids, as they were growing up and they were a certain little size, I'd be cooking over there on the stove, or Leah would be cooking, and it, the pot would be hot. And they come around, and they start to reach. What do I do? You better believe, as much as I love them, I'm going to slap that hand away. We didn't have timeouts where I grew up. <laughs> the timeout we had was the time it took my dad to go get the belt. <laughs> time they, my mom took after she was whooping us to sit down and take a break to start whooping us again. That was our timeout. Every time they would reach for that hot stove, what did I do? I'd correct them. Why? It was motivated out of love. I know that if they do that thing, that it's going to harm them. And so God calls us. And right now, somebody's flirting with disaster on the job, and you know you ain't supposed to be having dinner or lunch with that particular person, and you're flirting with disaster, and God's knocking you upside the head trying to correct you, but you're doing it anyway, wake up. You're clicking on that thing that you know you had no business doing, and he's correcting you, and your spirit just tells you, wake up. 
You're going to that place that you used to go to when you were not a Christ follower and, and you don't look any different than you used to. The Bible says he has called us out. We are a peculiar people. Wake up. Why? Because he loves us and he wants to correct us. And in correcting us, he will call us to walk in his favor as a good shepherd. Man, it got quiet in here. If I wasn't talking to you, you should say a big amen right now. Everybody else, huh? Let's go back to point number three. He would use that crook and he'd bring them back in. God wants to bring you a correction. Let him do it. It's not for your pain, it's for your gain. Another thing about a shepherd in the middle of a valley this is my final thing I want you to see not only does he provide not only does he direct not only does he correct he also protects he defends you against the enemy he defends you against harm shepherds were known for being pretty tough guys when we think of shepherds we think oh well David was a shepherd he liked to play a harp he must have been a little wimpy guy sitting on the backside of a desert playing a harp and that's what a shepherd looked like no these were some tough guys they were so tough that when the, the lion and the bear and the whatever would try to come take the sheep, they would step up and they would use that same staff of correction as a staff of protection. You remember King David? He later became king, and before he was going to become king, he had been anointed king. He was a shepherd. He went back to being a shepherd. And then all of a sudden, he goes one day, and his, his father says, go and check on your brothers. He walks out to another valley. And in the middle of their valley is this man named Goliath, this giant. And he's talking against the children of God. David comes and he says, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine talk against the armies of the Most High God? You come at me with spear and sword, but I'm about to come at you in the name of the Lord. UFC is going down. <laughs> Takes the stone, plants it in his forehead, delivers Goliath. What was his pedigree in order to be able to fight that fight? He went to King Saul, and what did he tell him? Oh, this Philistine, this giant, he's no match for me. Because as a shepherd, I've already fought a lion. I've already fought a bear. Hey, this is just another test. And I am not coming in my own strength. I come to you in the name of the, the Lord. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And if the devil rises up and comes in one way, he's going to flee out seven. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because God is my protection. He says, even though I walk through, I don't stay in, I don't camp out there, but I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. By the way, it's not the shadow of death, it's the valley of the, it's not the shadow of death, it's the, uh, the <laughs> that was going to be so impactful. It's not the valley of death, it's the valley of the shadow, the appearance of death. It says, even though I walk through that valley, what? I will fear no evil. I walk with my shoulders back. I'm not afraid, no matter what valley I face. Why? For thou art with me. I don't have to fear harm because I have hope that he is with me. Just like I told you a couple weeks ago, when you're in the fire, guess what? You're not there alone. He is there in the furnace with you. When you're in the valley, you're not alone. Your shepherd is 
with you. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Somebody in this place, you feel so alone, but he is with you. I wish that you could just know that and sense that. And this week, I just speak that you're going to literally sense the manifest presence of God walking right beside you and no matter what it is you're facing because he is with you. And it goes on, your rod and your staff, that shepherd crook. They comfort me. Why? Because I, need, I know you'll beat the devil down if he comes at me. I'm comforted. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You'll protect, you'll direct, you'll correct. You'll defend me. I can lay down and rest in the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. A couple of days ago, you'll probably remember this. I don't think it was last night. Maybe it was the night before. But it's about 1.45 in the morning, so all of a sudden I wake up. My wife's up. She's looking through her phone. I'm like, babe, it's 1.45. Go to bed. No, I didn't really do that. I didn't do that. Take that off of the film. It was not the way it went down. I said, what's going on? She's like, I just got some notices. And they've had some tornado warnings in our area. And I said, well, what's going on? And she began to watch, very watchful. Can I tell you that my kids, I've got three kids, not a single one of them woke up that entire time. Why? Because they were able to rest because they had somebody who was being watchful. And since Leah was being watchful, I went back to bed. <laughs> I said, hey, let me know. You know, if a brother got to get under a mattress, let me know, wake me up. But do it quietly up until the, I mean, help a brother out. I was sleeping. I was sleeping. But do you get the picture? How do we lay down in green pastures in the midst of a chaos? It's because we know that he will protect. He directs, he corrects, he protects. We can lay down and rest, not worried about the doctor's report. Why? Because, hey, God is with me. Not worried about lies and slander, financial struggles. Not worried about relational conflict because God is with me. And then I absolutely love this. And don't miss this. He says, not only will I, will I not be worried, I'll fear no evil. He says, oh, and by the way, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You get the picture of that? He said, man, there's all hell breaking loose, but I'm sitting back and having a buffet. All hell's breaking loose, but in the presence of my enemy. Hey, Mr. Enemy, could you pass me the salt and pepper? I ain't worried. I'm in a valley, but I still have victory. God is still for me. Who can be against me? And it goes on to say, my cup overflows. Somebody's going to walk into overflow this week, I pray. I love that imagery. He says, not only do you prepare a table before my, in the presence of my enemy, he says, you're going to fill up my cup, but then it's just going to continue to flow until it overflows. And then he goes on, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to close with this illustration. I need the three guys on this row right here. All three of you guys, come on up. I need your help real quick. Let's give them a hand. Represent, represent. <laughs> That's what you get for sitting near the front. All right, David, you look like a shepherd. You got the hair and the beard. You get to be the shepherd, so you get it right here. 
I had a bald guy with a beard. He said, I got a beard too in the first service. I said, yeah, but you ain't got hair, so the other guy gets to do it. So you're our shepherd. Wherever you go, I'm going to follow, okay? So don't walk me way down there. I already have my walking in today. And uh, which one of these looks like goodness and which one looks like mercy? I'm going to put y'all on the spot. <laughs> I would just, both of them are goodness and mercy, whatever, right? And so y'all are stuck at the shoulder right there, okay. goodness and mercy. Wherever I go, you follow. The Bible says that if he is our good shepherd, and I will stay close and I will follow, lifelong follower of him. But it doesn't matter what, if I walk into, go ahead and lead. We're going to stay right in this circle, though. I mean, let's just do a circle. Let's do it like this. Uh, wherever he leads, if I, if I follow, goodness and mercy is right behind. So I go into the doctor's report, and I don't know what they're going to tell me, but I'm with the shepherd, and so obviously goodness and mercy can't be far behind. I go into that relational conflict, and I know I don't want to have this conversation, but I'm with the shepherd, and so therefore it must be that goodness and mercy have to be close behind. I go through the situation that I don't know how it is going to under, but he is with me. I'm in a valley. I don't even know. It seems like the valley of death, but I'm with the good shepherd, and so the Bible says goodness and mercy must follow me all the days of my life. Let's give them a hand as they go sit down. Thank you, guys. They follow me all the days of my life. Not that I will always walk in good situation, but the goodness and mercy of God will follow me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise for here, but it's a promise for eternity as well. This morning, I have one question for you. Is the Lord your shepherd the Bible says for him to be our shepherd we must believe and receive the Bible says in John 10 11 I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep that means that he died on the cross he who knew no sin took upon our sin to die on the cross. There is not 101 ways in which to go to the Father. It doesn't matter what popular culture says. Not every way leads to the Father. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him, accepting his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And because of his victory over the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil. We give our lives to him. It Admit we need him. Believe he is a Christ, the Son of the living God. Confess and he becomes our shepherd. Is he your shepherd today? Somebody in this room, you need to accept him. To accept him means three things. John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice. They follow. Are you a follower of him? It's not today. It's the day where, man, God, I give you my life. I've tried on my own, and I'm making a pretty bad mess of it. I've not been letting your GPS, your God positioning system lead me. I've been doing it in my own way. And today, come into my heart. Be my good shepherd. Somebody in this room, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You're going to accept him as Lord. You're going to quit running from him. You're going to make some things right with him. For other people in this room, man, you're already a Christ follower. But boy, you could use some direction right now you're in a valley maybe you could use some correction the spirit of God is telling you repent that means go the other direction boy when I was talking about that he highlighted something in your life and you say yeah that's not right 
where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, and he'll forgive you. You need to confess that and let him correct some things in your life. For somebody, it's not just direction or correction. For somebody, man, I need some. I, I, I just need some provision. I know that you are my God, my Jehovah Jireh. Whatever it is, God, I need you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray over you today. Dear Heavenly Father, you're all throughout this room. Just speak to us the way you want to speak to us. Apply this word. So many are familiar with this passage, but hopefully it's taken on some deeper meaning today. Apply it to our hearts and let us respond. First of all, those who say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Not just say a prayer, but give your life to Him. I've been running, I've never known you. At the same time, I'm going to ask others, man, I'm a Christ follower, but I want to be included in a prayer. It says, God, I'm needing some correction. I need some direction. God, there's some areas in my life that I'm needing to be reminded that you are my good shepherd. Would you close, pull me close to your heart today? You need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Man, this message is speaking to you in a different different way. I want you all over the place, no matter what it is. I want you to boldly raise your hand. Just keep it up for right now. Just keep it up. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to, to put it up and down real quick. Just confess. No, as you do, begin to talk to God. God, this is the area where I hear you speaking to me. God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to direct me. I ask you to correct that thing. And let me pray over you today as I do. Would you pray? Father, right now, those that are raising their hand that, hey, I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I need to confess him as my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me. We admit we need you. We believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God who lived a sinless life to die for our sins. We confess you as Lord. God, others in here, they're in a valley. They are already a Christ follower, but man, they need your direction. Would you give them the, the direction that only you can give? Maybe they find some areas of their life that they need to submit to your lordship forgive us we place us under your hand father maybe there is a provision that is needed god whatever it is we thank you that you're our good shepherd and we respond to you today and we ask all of these things in jesus name amen